0: The following episode may contain inappropriate material. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to Matt Talk. It is Jason and John. We have been so lucky to have guests like Linda Pearl and Lori Latine. It has been awesome, awesome. And we get to be joined today by Daniel Roebuck. Daniel, how are you doing today?
2: I'm good. I feel bad for people because they do they know who I was on Matlock?
1: Do you put up a picture? People love you. There's Matlock fan groups on Facebook. People are fascinated because of John and I's age and being fans of Matlock. But So we, we that's how we've gotten most of our guests. Like, uh, Nancy wanted to see what two 40-year-olds are watching Matlock.
2: Nancy Stafford?
1: Nancy? Yes.
2: Nancy Stafford. She's – how about that? How come I look like I could be her dad? She's such a <laughs> beautiful lady. You guys should have Carol Houston on. I'll put you in touch with Carol.
0: Yes, we'd, we'd love, love to. to. We would love to talk to her. Um, let's start off real quick just talking a little bit about you first, Daniel, if you don't mind. Well. I – I mean Well, I mean, you know, I what know I meant, what about me <laughs> What I meant was like growing up as a as a kid, you said you're from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And uh, so what were you like as a kid growing up? I was an odd child. Okay. Uh,
2: I was uh, I was an odd kid. Um, so like do you know that I was a clown in a circus? Yes. I was a clown in a circus when I was uh, I was 12, 13. Like, I don't know. You tell me. Was I a normal kid or is there a thing? That's oh, you, nice. Uh. <laughs> like, you know, this is like having a, uh, okay, it doesn't go that way. It goes that way. This is like patting your nose and, uh, you know, trying to. So that's me at, at 12 or 13 years old. Uh, I was a clown in a circus. Not a normal childhood. I was an impressionist. I did magic shows. I was a ventriloquist. Uh, by the way, this is this is fun. That was m- me at whatever twelve. Where is it? And then me at fifty nine. So got to be uh, Grandpa Munster.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh,
2: so that doesn't happen to a lot of guys who get to live that life. Um, I watched Andy Griffith all the time. I watched The Mun- Munsters all the time. I watched the odd couple and the honeymooners, and I—I I learned acting from like the best entertainers in the world. We were at dinner tonight, and the guy didn't know who Mel Berle was. Ugh. Um, doesn't that blow your mind? How could, like, we've we've already there? There's a generation who doesn't know that he yeah. was Mr. Television, you know. Yeah, and and but uh, I think Matlock will never fall into that category because Matlock stars Andy Griffith. And Andy Griffith is an American icon. So the other shows were great. Murder, she wrote, yes, Ironside, of course, Diagnosis Murder. I'm not saying Dick Van Dyke isn't an American icon. But when we were growing up, nobody, nobody in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, saw themselves as the kid of a comedy writer from New Rochelle. We saw ourselves as the kids who wanted Andy Griffith to be our dad. But me, I had Herman Munster for a dad. You know, I had this big, goofy kid like me, who was my dad. Uh, So, uh, you know, that was my childhood. I was uh, raised by uh, two parents who loved me, but didn't really like each other, just like most of us. Uh, I was raised by the Sisters of St. Joseph, who uh, maybe they didn't love me, but they had to like me because that's part of their religion. Uh, And, uh, you know, I was a real child of television. A real child, uh, I didn't go to theater school or acting school. Uh, I literally just watched TV, and I kind of did what what they did
0: as best I could. In fact, didn't your folks buy you like a, a cardboard television as a playset? Is that true?
2: Well, yes, it's, that's absolutely true. They bought me a cardboard television when I was seven. And my father, I always say he, the first thing he did is he tried to invent the first cardboard remote control. You know. So- <laughs> Channel. Why would we give this idiot a TV? He's on every channel. He didn't know that I was also the chief programmer of the TV. <laughs> I just wanted to be on TV. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? Other other actors are like, oh, I wanted to work. I wanted to speak the words of the great bard himself, Shakespeare. I wanted to do the entire canon of plays. Me, I wanted to be in the ad Couple. Uh, so I became an actor.
1: Well, every actor now wants to be on TV. Yeah,
2: it's, isn't that interesting? And yeah. you had to it, – it, I, when I went out there, you guys, to L.A., and, and we're at 39 years. We're, it's a long time since I went to L.A. Uh, and um, 39 years ago, you weren't even – was before Seinfeld. You got to get your head around that. So you were an actor or you were a comedian – I, was, I did both because I did stand-up comedy, too, before I moved to LA. But you had to kind of make a decision. You couldn't. And how odd it was for me then, I don't know, six years later when, when you know, I, I was blessed. I worked a lot, pretty, pretty fast out of the gate. Uh, but when it came time to audition for a TV series regular, I was up against comedians who had no – I'm not saying they weren't actors, but they didn't. They obviously didn't train with Mr. Tony Randall, as I did, and Mr. Andrew Griffith. So uh, they they did not have the same chops I had, I think, oddly.
1: Uh, when you first auditioned for Matlock, you didn't come in right away as the character you would play for a couple seasons. You were a guest spot. What was that like? Did you fanboy out when you got there? Well,
2: yes, I could tell you, you know, I remember all of it. I have a great memory for these things. Uh, for whatever reason, Tony Mordante directed my episode of Matlock, the first one. So, the real person we have to thank for having this conversation today is Tony Mordante. Tony Mordante, a terrific actor, dancer, uh, former husband of Chita Rivera, uh, was uh, he was he was a I think, in West Side Story, or he was action that's my dotage I don't remember but so imagine before I ever met Andy Griffith I had to actually get past Tony Mordante a guy who was in arguably one of the greatest musical of the last 50 years when I walked in there to audition for him, last 30 years before and um, I started the scene and I was on the phone and of course I didn't have a cell phone it was 1987 or 88 maybe and I just did, you know, I've always been very intuitive. I just uh, picked up the phone. that <laughs> was on the little table there. And I was like, yes, hello. And I started. And I remember him looking down and writing something down. And I thought, oh, I blew it. I was very surprised to hear that I got cats because I thought I lost his interest. Obviously, he, he probably wrote down, this guy actually, you know, picked up the phone. When I met Andy Griffith, we ran a a... Hospital in La Cunyada, La Crescenta. And it was funny that when my son went to high school in that town, he went to an all Catholic, a Catholic all boys school. So I'd see that same hospital every morning, every morning, when I'd take him to school. But back then that was like driving to get to it. And um, they brought me to the set. Now I had already done, now let's, you know, perspective. I started a big hit called Cave Girl. Uh, And then I... All joking aside, was in a movie called River's Edge, which was a very well-received uh, drama in which I played a teenage killer. So I spent on that. You think I fanboyed Andy Griffith. First, I had to get through fanboying Dennis Hopper to the point where, because I'm, again, I'm not a trained actor. I'm a fan of movies and TV shows. Dennis Hopper was like, hey, Danny, um, how about we keep it to 24 questions about apocalypse nowadays? And maybe ask me (laughs) about Tyne or something. Because, you know, I'm in other movies, okay. So uh, they bring me to Andy Griffith. And I literally say, and this isn't a joke, and you've got to bear with me because I'm not making it up. They say, Andy, we'd like you to meet Danny Roebuck. And I said... And Andy was like, Ooh. And he, he nodded and turned. And then I'd spit out, I was just in no time for sergeants. And he turned around, he said, who'd you play? And I said, I, I played Will Stockdale. All of a sudden, he played Will Stockdale. Y'all know that's the part I played. That made me famous on Broadway. It's a very hard part to play, Will Stockdale. So then we started talking and he remembered that we actually invited He and Don Knotts to the play. We try to get him to come to the play because it's rarely, it's not a play that's done often, you know, because it requires 35 men, uh, not boys, men. So finding 35 men in any theater community sometimes hard. Uh, Don't write me letters. That's just a fact. So uh, that's how we met. We had one scene together, and then the next day, we were at the studio, which was at MDM the first year, and Tony Mordante came over at the craft service table, you know, where the food is. And he goes, I don't know what you did to the old man, but he wants you as a series regular on the show. I couldn't believe it. I went over to uh, my agent's then maybe a day or two later, and I, was, I said, you know, Andy Griffith wants to be." a piece. And I remember my agent, a young, good-looking guy, was like, that's never going to happen. Just calm down. Uh, And then, of course, years later, it did. That's, you know, not that easy, but there's other stories. Anyway, that's the answer to your first question. I'll bet you didn't think I would take the entire show to answer one question. Let's go to the the callers then. Any questions? No.
1: (laughs) My follow-up to that is you pretty much worked with everybody on the cast because you kept coming in for instance.
2: Yeah, isn't that cool? I did. Now, I don't remember ever having an actual scene with Nancy Stafford and I don't remember having a scene well Linda Pearl by the time we got to my episode which was the last episode of that first season I'm sure Linda Pearl had some Pearls of Wisdom that should be the name of her autobiography I just wrote that Pearls of Wisdom and by the time I got there she was mostly just a phone call you know,
1: I don't remember her being
2: on the episode at
1: all. Did um, you um, work with Keen and uh, Clarence at all? Well, Kenny, yeah,
2: you're saying Kenny is, Kenny. That, yeah, that's all right, that's all right. Kenny, uh, I did on uh, the Ambassadors. Uh, Kenny and I were both in that, and we were both in the Confession. That's unbelievable that I remember those names. Probably only because they're are they, I see them on. I get those residuals before and then there's residuals after. So um, he was great. So I did that first episode um, and then, you know, that was, that was that. It was a one-off. Then that was season one, season two went over, And then season three, they developed this character, Alex Winthrop. And uh, I went to audition. Um, Chris Hibbler, I think was directing that. And, uh, I went to audition and I remember my friend, Robert England, you know, Freddie Kruger, he went to audition, uh, and we were all auditioning. And then, um, that was kind of, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what they were doing, but I think I was always supposed to be Alex Winthrop because that's what Andy Griffith wanted. So I'm Alex Winthrop. And they put me in what is essentially my pilot episode, which is an episode that takes place in New York city. Uh, and, uh, they sent me to New York City, and the deal was it was a two-part episode, so that meant it was shooting 16 days instead of the usual eight. And uh, we shot one week in New York City, and then the other week was on the studio or in California, but there was a, a Teamster strike during the second week. So everything we shot was on the set, the back lot of Universal, which is cool in itself. Because now the show, the first year was at MGM – Second through eight, nine, ten, seventh year. Second through seventh year was at Universal Studios, and then eight, nine, or seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, whatever, six, whatever. But MGM, Universal, Wilmington, North Carolina. So uh, they um, they made a deal. They had to let me know by noon on the last day that they were picking up my option to be a series regular. And I remember Andy coming to my trailer. He's such a great guy he sits down and he picks up my girlfriend's guitar and he starts, you know, playing her guitar. And he says, uh, you know, we're going to have some good fun and do some good shows. And I said, Andy, I don't think they're picking up my option. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, they they were supposed to call by noon. He gets up, he goes, I'll be back. And he leaves. And then, I don't know, like 10 minutes later, you know, when you think he's going to come back and go, I told them what's going on come back and he goes, they're not picking up your option. And uh, that was kind of a hard thing to get through the rest of that day. Mm -hmm. I remember we were waiting to go into a shot and he goes, that's a big studio out there. A lot of places. We can hide Fred Silverman's body. Uh, (laughs) He's evidently the guy We said no. Uh, And then, uh, you know, then they brought on Brian Ben-Ben and Carrie Lizer they went through different other people, and then uh, they were got canceled on NBC, and uh, they they wanted to do a alumni cast. So they were gracious, and they brought me back as a DA, you know, for a couple couple days work. And then while I was doing the alumni show, um, my manager calls me up, and I was just telling the story. He says, "Hey, hey, Roby." He goes, "Wayne writes." He goes, "Sit down." I go, "Oh, okay, I'm sitting." Cause no, you know what, you know what, you know what? <coughs> he goes, lay down. What? No, seriously, you got to trust me on this. Lay down. So I laid down on the floor of my office in California, and he said, they just made you a series regular on Matlock. And I said, no, 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 we're shooting. Wayne, remember, we're shooting the last episode. He goes, no, 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 you're shooting the last episode for NBC, but you're starring in the first episode on ABC. And that's how I ended up in the show. He asked for Bryn, and he asked for me. And that's how I ended up. Andy Griffith himself put me on the show.
1: That is awesome.
0: That is. Can I ask uh, about s- seasons 7, 8, and 9? Yes. uh You had a, a, another actor that you worked very much, very closely with. That would be Warren Frost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any stories because he seems, and, and not knowing, just seeing his performances, he seemed like he was uh, a card, if you will, that he was a I think he was loved.
2: like the crabbiest. He was, you know, in the first place, he's an actor of great notoriety. Mm-hmm. By the time he got him, been around for a long time. And uh, he and Andy were, boy, they loved each other. Uh, and and Andy liked having that Billy, you know, uh, Ben Matlock fight going all the time. I think it was really smart because... Mm-hmm. Because to I give him someone, he give him a foil he could fight with was one thing. And then I kind of played, to whatever extent, a Don Knotts-style character, where I was goofy and I didn't really pull things off. But I was trying, you know. Uh, I liked I liked playing Cliff Lewis very much. Uh, so Warren Frost, by the way, um, here's a, afterwards. I went and I auditioned for, a couple of years later, I auditioned for a, a TV show called Buddy Farrow. With uh, Mark Frost, and uh, and I, I'm like, hey man, it's nice to meet you. I go, I go, I'm a little insulted that you're making me audition. And he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I know who you are, but why? And I go, well, is your dad my dad? I mean, aren't we like step <laughs> brothers? I, you're making me audition. Um, aren't we family? And I, I know he, you know, he said just just hire this idiot. So uh, he did give me. I think I. I think I, uh, I kind of giving me the part uh, or shamed him into giving me the part. Um, Anyway, Warren Frost, great guy. uh, Good person. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we were just, it's interesting when they were doing Andy's bio, they, you know, I was interviewed and they, you know, they said, and on the weekends, what did you do? And I said, you turn off the camera a you know, and you guys like, right, you're, we're all hardworking people. I said, you know, my dad worked for the city of Bethlehem for 45 years. I never saw the people he worked with on the weekend. He didn't want to be with the people he worked with on the weekend. So, I, you know, Andy and I didn't really hang out on the weekends, but we were, you know, we had a work family. That's that's how it was. And I think everybody would probably attest that
1: that's, that's, that's kind of how it was. You know? He obviously thought very highly of you. He kept bringing you back. I think
2: Jason, I think you're right. And by the way, when you kind of got to know him, you know that that's his pattern to do. You know, Jim Neighbors was on the Andy Griffith Show because he went and saw him in a club, and he went backstage and said, "We're going to write a part for you." I mean, that's how that's how Jim Neighbors became famous. He was doing whatever routine in a club. Howard, um, oh gosh, please forgive me, not Howard Lindsay. Uh, in the Andy Griffith Show. Do you guys know your Andy Griffith Show?
0: Uh, yeah. Howard, the actor who played Howard. Wow. Um, yes. What was his name? Too I late. Who- no,
2: everybody who was watching this is screaming at their computer. Uh, he's one of the first actors I met in Hollywood. I can't even. This is... Uh, uh, Jack Jack Dotson.
0: Jack Dotson, because we just yeah. talked about the cult and he was in that episode. Well,
2: a cult. Oh yeah, that's right. So Jack Dotson Jack Dotson um, was doing a play called Huey uh, with uh, he was in this play uh, and uh, he had four lines in the play. The character just watches the other actor tell this story. And Andy was so taken with Jack and his ability to focus and listen that he put him in the Andy Griffith show. So it is an extraordinary, it's, by the way, not something every actor would do. Every actor wouldn't have the courage to find people and give them an opportunity like that. And I've, I've, you know, once I learned, that was his M.O. to think that I'm one of maybe 10 people he did that for uh, is an extraordinary gift to me. Extraordinary. It's immeasurable, really. And, and not just because, I mean, I was already an established actor and, you know, I, I always work, which is, you know, something for a 60-year-old guy. But, uh, you know, Matlock made me kind of eternal. Cause it, it it put me in the proximity of uh, uh, a supernova you know what I mean mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and I think you know the remaking matlock okay and it's Kathy Bates so really, you know my my history you know uh, you know Kathy and I you know we shared the screen in the late shift mm-hmm. she's phenomenal she's phenomenal but is do, I mean matlock it's not like remaking the Munsters where these characters are the characters. So I do wonder how that'll go. And I hope it goes well. Uh, you know, I can't say there wasn't a tinge of, oh, shoot, because I always hoped that one day I could convince Hallmark Channel or something to continue the show with the company of actors, if not, obviously, because Andy wasn't available.
1: Yeah, John and I, John and I wrote a spec script for a Matlock reboot. Just for fun, it was it took place during Andy's funeral or uh, Matt Ben's funeral, and then uh, anymore because we may be too close. You better have made Cliff the star. Oh, he was in it, he was (laughs) definitely.
2: No, yeah, no, he
1: was a big part. Uh, so yeah, okay, my part's getting bigger. Yeah, he was in the whole first scene. Yeah, Tyler Hudson uh, gets killed in his hotel room when you guys are all in town for the funeral, and then it goes from there. (laughs)
2: That's, yeah, t- see, I told you, don't tell me more because
1: these. I think these ideas
2: are, uh, you know, they're good ideas. But we'll, you know, we'll see. I just made, we have a movie coming out later this month called uh, Lucky Louie, which is like a perfect movie. And it's good we're telling this on here because hopefully people who watch this will want to see my movie, Lucky Louie, because it's about a uh, uh, 80-year-old retired cop who never solved a bank robbery from 1972. So he eventually teams up with his Bible study, which are four ex-convicts that he arrested and rehabilitated and a psychology major, and together they work to solve the crime 50 years later. So it had that quality of, of kind of, you know, sussing out the crime and interviewing people a little. So it was fun to do. I have a great actor starring in it named Basil Hoffman, who's been in 120 movies, and 20 of them were nominated for Best Actor Oscar. He's our lead. He did pass away, however, a year and a half ago, unfortunately.
0: So we have a few questions from some of the uh, the fans that listen to our uh, to our show. Yes, so yes, I'm going I'm going to pull one here from Robert um, Tifoff. He uh, asked, "Do you have any memorabilia from the show?".
2: I do. I have uh, one of the Andy's suits. I have two of my suits, and I have uh, the plaque from his death, and I have his—I uh, have one of his uh, plaques from the wall. Oddly, uh, I haven't done it yet, but I was going to donate that to the Andy Griffith Museum, which I'm a, a big uh, supporter of. emotionally. Mm-hmm. not you know. We've got, and I like to talk about uh, Mount Airy and Mayberry. After we answer the questions, let's
0: talk about that. Sure, sure. Uh, Let me pull another one here. Okay, this comes from Beth Webb, uh, and she just asked, did Conrad, uh, or Clarence Gilliard, enjoy singing those songs with Ben? Oh, uh,
2: Beth, I think, yeah. In fact, everybody got to sing with Ben except me. Mm -hmm. Uh, We sang in the choir show, but here's the story. So I I, I imagine... I imagine he did, because why wouldn't you? Because you're singing with Andy Griffith, so why not? We did an animated Christmas movie. It's one of Andy's last credits, sadly. But uh, I play his main elf, and Andy plays Santa Claus. And that was my coup, to get my buddy Andy Griffith in it. But a lot of people I knew, Jay Leno narrated, Kathy Bates was the villain. Uh, We got, uh, I had just done a Norm Macdonald TV series. He played a fox. Anyway, it was great. So, Andy, uh, they had to change one of the songs. And in the song, uh, he needed it quickly. So, I just sang the part. And I took him the tape. And then the next day, I went over to his house. And he said, Hey, Danny, who sang my part on that tape? And I said, I did. And he goes, Danny. I said no. I go just because you never let me sing didn't mean I can't sing. Musical theater <laughs> guy, I sing. By the way, interesting factoid: Shirley Jones played Mrs. Claus, and um, we wrote her a new piece of music. And I called her to tell her, and she said, "Danny, I don't read music." Now this woman has an Oscar mm-hmm. for singing in a musical, and she's Mrs. Partridge. Let's go. You know, she's Mrs. Partridge. So I had this ingenious idea. I, I take all the credit for it. I just seen a year earlier a really great production of The Music Man, which you know she's in the movie. And uh, I I called and uh, hired. We hired the girl who played her part in The Music Man to sing the music. I call her. I go, Can you read music? Yes. So we had her because I knew she was in the same range as, as Shirley. We had her sing the song. Anyway, Shirley Jones is a heck of a talent. I get to meet her and Mrs. Partridge.
0: That's Pretty, awesome.
2: good. Pretty good for a, a boy who was a boy in
0: 1974. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan Esposito asked, um, I read somewhere that Daniel's going to be Grandpa in the upcoming reboot of The Munsters. What is your feedback about this? I assume that by the phrasing of that last part that he would like to know how your experience was on the set. Yeah, we year. did do it, and it,
2: Dan, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I had a very good time as grandpa. Yeah. Um, uh, Rob Zombie's an extraordinarily creative uh, individual. And uh, your fans and people may not know this, but I have an odd hobby. Everybody has an odd hobby, maybe. Andy Griffith collected decoys. I I like to have stuff around me that has universal monsters on it like old toys that I would have played with and superhero toys I collect some superhero toys and I never did drugs so you got to put the money somewhere you know <laughs> you got to find something to drive your wife crazy with so um, you know I collect monster toys and monster toys and now I am a monster toy so let's just say that's kind of a little crazy
1: that uh, that happened. I got to spin off on that. You've been in a lot of Rob Zombie's stuff. Are you guys friendly outside of the film community? Because it looks like you've been in all of his stuff, if not most. Yeah, I've
2: been in everything but the first movie. Sometimes
1: he cuts me out. So that means we are friendly.
2: Because, you know, you always cut your friends out. Ah, he'll understand. I couldn't put him in. It's fine. Uh, Yes, I consider him a friend. I'd say he's one of my favorite people to collaborate with. Uh, that was the first time he gave me a lead. You know, I've, I'm i in a lot of movies, 100, 150 movies maybe. Can't even keep track really. But uh, I always have a good time, even if I work 10 hours with the guy. But the Munsters, we actually went to Budapest, Hungary, and lived together for three months. So that was that was unlike anything. But it was a dream come true, honestly. And that's why I wasn't so mad when when Kathy Bates was announced as a new Matlock, because I thought, how many of these do you get in your
1: life? I got, I got grandpa. I don't want to be great. You know, that was pretty good. I hope we find out that Kathy Bates is playing like um, Ben's niece or something so that there is ties that they can bring you guys back. Cause I'd love to see some of you guys come back on the oh, yeah. show. Would,
2: I think it would be smart of them. I don't know that they'll do it. Like, you know, they made the fugitive. They did that. What was that thing called, Quibi or something, so, you know, it lasted four seconds. Nobody called and said, hey, we're making The Fugitive. And uh, The Fugitive is something that we think is still in the public consciousness because of the work you guys all did together. Uh, nobody calls. They don't, you know. I play Grandpa Munster because that's what God wanted me to do. Like, he trained me when I was 12. So <laughs> Rob called me. Uh, and by the way, that little clown character I played was called The Count. And then Rob tells me I'm on the phone and he said, by the way, you know, Eddie's not in the movie. So you're not grandpa yet. You're the count. I mean, I almost drove into a tree.
1: Okay. So I got one non-Matlock question and that is, how did you get the role of Dr. Leslie Arst on Lost, which is my favorite show of all time and Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the show, your character explodes. And then the line that Hurley delivers shortly after that is one of the best lines in TV history. You've got some arts on you. Yeah,
2: pretty great. huh?
1: What was that like? Were you a fan of the show? Uh, auditioning? Yeah, I didn't know the
2: show. You know, some, this is the good thing about uh, I always say to young people, actors or whoever I mentor, because I like to help people kind of figure out how to navigate stuff. Don't network. Everybody talks about networking. Networking is not working. What are you going to expect someone to know you and then give you a job? Why? Because they know you. Is that really God's plan? No. God's plan is that we help each other. That's God's plan. Okay. So I'm not a big fan of networking, but I am a guy who works so hard all the time. I take it so seriously. I know my lines. If I, I'm always coming up with good business. I've uh, been blessed to be a good writer as well. So I'm, you know, I've got a very good ear for fixing dialogue quickly. Um, it's not always necessary on a TV show, more necessary on a movie. But sometimes, you know, you say, "What if? What if I say it this way?" And they go, oh, "Sure, that's fine." Anyway, so the reason I'm telling you all that is because I never auditioned for Doctor Arts, but I had, I love playing this character uh, named Rick Patina on Nash Bridges, and Rick Patina was like the precursor of Dr. R's. So when Carlton Cuse, who did Nash Bridges, decided uh, that they needed this character, they broke, as I understand it, they broke what the character was. And someone said, well, he's a bit of an a-hole. And then in the room, they were like, who's an a-hole? Oh, Dan Robot. Uh, so that's <laughs> how I got a cast. But I'm not really one, but I played a really funny one on... Uh, You know, on Nash Bridges. And Dr. Arch was there for levity. You know, he wasn't there to be taken seriously. I truly believe he was put in the show, you guys, so that I would say all the stuff the fans were saying. How come they get to do all the all the jobs? How come they have the nicest place to live? How come Hurley never loses any weight? So I got to say it all. (laughs) They blew me up, essentially saying we don't really care what you think or what your theories are. So that's why I think it was there.
1: Yeah, so, no, the the fact that you were a dynamite expert and then the dynamite blew you up, I thought was great. Right. Because he really wasn't an
2: expert on anything except, so, you know, BSing people. <laughs> uh, no, it was great. But that's why, you know, in whatever you do in life, whatever you do, you just do what you do well. You you're present. Present. That's all. How if we could do you guys have kids? I do. You do, John.
0: I do not. Yeah, I have a fifteen-year-old daughter.
2: All right, and John's watching Deadpool four
0: times a day. Yeah, <laughs> so you know it works out. Yeah, He's good. Uh, but
2: but um, you just just to teach your kids, especially you the most important time for your daughter, Jason, right now, that she sees her father present in her life, teaching her how to respect herself, how to how to see herself as a valuable person without some other kid saying, no, this is what you really are, or that's what you really are, because that's what we're up against now. Um, you'd be present in your daughter's life, but teach her to be present for others. That's the – That's I don't know how my mom and dad – I mean, it's not like my mom – you know, this is a true story. I'm on CBS Morning News once uh, for River's Edge. And who's the other guest? Dr. Spock. Do you know who Dr. Spock? Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, baby doctor, yes. Baby doctor. And uh, in my segment, I I made a point of saying, well, now Dr. Spock actually talked about exactly what we're talking about here. And I was nervous as heck. I'm on the CBS morning, good. first time ever to be in anything like that. They do it live. There's no screw out. They bring you out, the camera, you know. Meh. So when the show is over and Dr. Spock came over and he said, that was so delightful and sweet of you to to use your segment to talk about my work. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And I, and I see my mom and dad are kind of just like, oh, man, because it was New York, so we're from Pennsylvania. So they they came with me to, you know, enjoy the experience. All right, we're driving home. You know, you're in the car. The driver drives you around Manhattan. And my father goes, how about that, Dr. Spug? How about that? Oh. Did you tell him it was thanks to him that you turned out the way you did? And I said, what? <laughs> Literally, like, oh, please, what are you talking about? He goes, no, it's a fact. He goes, Dr. Spock said, you're never supposed to hit your kids. You're supposed to let them think they're right all the time. And, and you're supposed to let them do whatever they want. He goes, I hit you constantly. I told you you were always wrong. And I, I wouldn't let you do anything you wanted to do that was stupid. He goes, I completely ignored everything he wrote. <laughs> He goes, and look at you, you're on the same show he is. Uh, so uh, why am I telling you that? Uh, oh, because I, I'm saying my dad my dad and mom weren't super geniuses, but they, they definitely made me uh, respect other people's time and place. And I, I think it had a lot to do, too, with initially meeting Andy. I can't put words or thoughts in his mouth, and I certainly would never have the audacity to do that. I think what he rec- recognized immediately was if I could play Will Stockdale. Now he did he did the role for ye- a year on Broadway. He did the movie. It started out as a TV show. No one knew the role better than he did. He knew it was hard. Like they don't just give Will Stockdale to an idiot because on stage for two hours and twenty four minutes talking the entire time directly to the audience sometimes. So, um, and then he saw you know when I was at doing the scene, you know, he saw me acting with him. He did it differently when we were filming than he did in the rehearsal. And I altered my performance because I was present. I, he changed something and I changed something because he changed something. And that's what you're supposed to do when you're an
0: actor. Listen. Can I just springboard off of something real quick? We've been talking about kids. You have As- a couple of kids. Would, yeah. Do they have the the passion to be involved in the Hollywood industry? And if so, how have you helped to guide them through the pitfalls of Hollywood?
2: Well, I did what every parent would tell them you're an idiot. Don't do it. I <laughs> hit them. I did everything my parents did. It didn't work. Um, my daughter is a fantastic writer. And this movie we have coming out, Lucky Louie, which we have to talk about, uh, she wrote and directed with me. We co wrote it. And co-directed it. My son, uh, in the first movie I made, Getting Grace, he plays me in a flashback. In Lucky Louie, he plays me in a flash in a flashback. Because I mean, why wouldn't you? I, I have my own clone, so why wouldn't I? <laughs> uh, in I did a, a documentary about Halloween collecting toys, and I I'm a character named Doctor Shocker, and he played me in a flashback. So I've done it to him three times. So he did inform me that although he doesn't want to be a professional actor, uh, he will play me again, but not in a pantomime situation. He does command lines. Uh, But he's very busy. He runs a recreational center, and he's very busy and very happy. He's a good kid. And then Gracie, uh, you know, she's part of my filmmaking team. This movie we're doing up in Connecticut, Tuesday's Flu. She's producing with us, and very present in it. She's, I mean, you know, I'm going to, my whole plan is to ride on her coattails. I'm hoping. <laughs> you know, because I don't know how much longer they're going to, they don't like people with gray hair. They don't like us doing things. They're like, no, 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 you don't have to direct. You don't, to just go sit over there and do your lines. You don't have to direct. So I'll, I teach her how to be a director and then I work for her. That's awesome. Go. That is Something absolutely awesome. So when does uh, Lucky Louie come out? Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lucky Louie comes out around the country on April 28th. April 28th. Will you guys, I don't know if you put it in your comments or whatever. So we make, I work for the man because uh, the man, you know, helped me put my kids to Catholic school and to college and everything else. When I make my own movies, uh, I do them through a not-for-profit that that We started called A Channel of Peace. Now, what's missing from our world today? If you want movies about, you know, woke, whatever, you got them. You can have anything you want. You want a show like Matlock that's kind of intelligent, where people have dialogue, where things are solved. That's what's missing. We don't have that because everything's agendized. Every single thing is agendized. So I'm, I'm turning that on its heel and through a channel of peace, we're making faith based family entertainment, not hit you over the head. Jesus, 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 because that's not necessary. You know, the product I'm selling is so great uh, which is, you know uh, the idea that there's a higher power that we should be reliant on uh, in times of stress Um, I don't have to hit anybody over the head. I make entertaining, funny, sweet movies. So Lucky Louie is made through that not-for-profit, through which I take no salary. I direct, write, act, everything for free. Uh, And uh, it'll be out the 28th of April all over the country. And if people have a small independent theater that they want to see that movie in, in their hometown, and it's, you know, they don't see it, a trailer for it, they should find me on Facebook. They should find a channel peace on Facebook or find me on Instagram. I'm Mr. Daniel Robot, and reach out to me and say, I want to see Lucky Louie and here's a theater you can contact and we'll try to get it in that theater. And then after that, the next movie coming out from our group is called the Hail Mary, which is uh, my uh, thank you note to the sisters of St. Joseph of Philadelphia who helped raise me. So and it's a very silly, funny football movie about a um, that one's about a, a nun who finds a guy who is so in need of redemption that getting a football team for her always cool uh, to lead him toward it. Otherwise, he'd be lost.
1: Well, do you have? she uh, a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she was awesome. She sent us copies of her books. And, oh gosh, yeah. so copies of stuff. I don't have anything here. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, this you is this is awesome
2: sharpie i'm
1: gonna send you a t- <laughs> i'll make uh, sure i get all the links from your wife and make sure i put them in the descriptions for everything when we release this that's right and okay. i actually jason i think i i think you know we talk about a theater i know we got our own out
0: uh art house films uh house right here this art house theater ourselves maybe off air we'll we'll swap some uh some information about yeah, that there, yeah. right? and it's that easy get me the information and i'll I'll, I'll call him. Uh, hey, you guys, let's talk about Mount Airy for a minute. Yes, let's you, do that. Have you been to Mayberry Days? We have not. We talked about going last year. We really did, but there was something, some reason why we didn't. Why? What was the reason? I can't remember. I think it's just busy. busy. Where do you live again? I'm sorry. Tell me one more time. Columbus, uh, Ohio. Where?
2: Oh, Columbus. Columbus, Ohio. You guys could be there in like four hours, five yeah, hours. Yeah,
1: we've talked about it because it'd be fun to go down there with Matt Talk and do something live there. Well,
2: here's here's what I'm going to tell you. Let's, you should do it. So we went last year for the first time. And I did, a, I did an, a talk called What It Was Was Andy Griffith, you know, kind of an homage to what it was with football. And uh, we told the story of, of Andy Griffith's career as an actor, something people rarely talk about because... They see him as two things, Andy of Mayberry and Matlock. But he had a, a long and illustrious career. Uh, so we are going to go back this year, and we're going to do another presentation. We might do that presentation again. But you guys, there's a parade. You know, there's you could spend – you could do five shows that weekend because uh, there's always someone – did Ronnie Shell ever do a Matlock? He was there last year. He's one of the funniest human beings I've ever seen. The guy was the most inappropriate 94 year old man. I don't, <laughs> I don't even I'm like God let you live this long to make these comments. Uh, he's great, but um, it was just, it's just a great experience and it's, it's really not far. And I, I want to tell you what else is coming up. Something really great is coming up uh, there uh, at the Andy Griffith Playhouse in the future. Uh, but we we were not talking about it yet. But I am telling you that you should plan on going to Mayberry Days, and and you know Matt Talk should. I mean, maybe you know you could you could get a booth or something somewhere, and and you know build more of an audience because everybody who likes Andy Griffith show loves Matlock.
0: That's what we have discovered through yeah. uh, doing this podcast for going on three years. This summer, no be kidding. three years, yeah. Oh, so, okay.
2: and we'll get you Carol Houston, and have you talked to Bryn? Not uh, yet. We She's we, on our have,
0: list. we we reached out to her, but at the time she was filming.
2: Oh, all right. Well, that's...
0: And they 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 were very nice about it, but they said no at this particular time. We're like, cool, you know. So, all right, Daniel, let's go ahead and wrap these things up. Where can folks find you on the internet, uh, website, all that fun stuff?
2: They can find me as Mister Daniel Robuck Don't please, don't think I take myself too seriously. It's Mr. Daniel Robuck because someone lost the code to Daniel Robuck, so we had to become Mr. Daniel Robuck. So Mr. Daniel Robuck on uh, Instagram, on Facebook, please also go to a channel of peace, and please, you know, you, like if if something has a message of faith, Facebook, what is the surprise Throttles it back because it's it's working against what they're pushing on the world. So if you find us at a channel of peace, friend us share our posts, tell people about what we're doing, because that'll, that'll help get the word out. And then, you know, I've got so many, I'd love to say, here's another, there's so many movies coming out. You know, I'm in star Wars now. I'm in agents of shield. Um, I think Andy, Andy, Andy would, I think be very pleased. He was very kind to me. Uh, and uh, he had an enormous impact on my life. So
1: yeah, uh, your career has been awesome. Uh, there's so many other things on your resume that we could spend hours probably talking about. But thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. All right. Yes, so thank you very much.
2: Part two, if people want to know if anything else, just reach back out.
1: Absolutely. We'll take you up on that. All
2: right. God bless everybody.
0: Following is a joint production of the Three Geeks Podcast and John Orlando Enterprises LLC, copyright 2023.